0: I'm so glad that you've joined me today as we're concluding our series, Stretch Thin. In these three weeks, we've been kind of walking through really what we've all been living out these last several weeks. This coronavirus, this pandemic, if you would, has really pushed every one of us. And and there's two common responses that you see. One is, fear, like it's the sky is falling. This is the end of the world. Um, It's just an overwhelming sense of, I just don't know, and anxiety. And And then last week we talked about frustration. Other people are feeling frustrated. And it was interesting preaching that message last week. Last week was the most frustrating week I have had in this entire quarantine time. It was one of those weeks, it was like, if anything could have frustrated me, if anything could have been kind of going haywire, last week was the week. It's kind of funny how that is. Whenever you're going to preach on something, you kind of have to live it, usually the week of or the week after. But there's more to it than that. And, and this is what I've been leading up to for the last two weeks. The world around us responds with fear and with frustration. And you and I feel that. There are days where we are overcome by a certain amount of fear. And even though we attempt to be fearless, It's somewhat impossible to do because we're human, but we can learn to fear less and in in turn trust the Lord and, and to trust into him. Frustration is a part of our existence. We all get frustrated from time to time. Maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's with a coworker or a boss or an employee or maybe it's with our kids. But how do we respond in faith? How in the middle of all of this do we respond in a healthy way. How do we really lead our own lives and lead our families, lead our companies, lead ourselves in a way that doesn't respond to the emotion of fear or the emotion of frustration? Well, today I want to unpack that. I want to go back to the life of Job. We picked up on Job last week and we read chapter 1 verses 13 to the end of the chapter. Today I wanna do Job chapter one and I wanna look at the first 12 verses. What we kind of skipped over last week, I was kind of holding it for today because it shows us how we can respond in faith instead of fear and frustration. So let's just jump right into the text. If you have your Bible, begin reading with me. Job chapter one, verse one. And in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright and he feared God and he shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Verse 4, his sons used to hold feasts in their homes and on their birthdays and they would invite their three sisters to eat with them and drink with them. And when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. And early in the morning, Job would make a sacrifice of a burnt offering for each one of them, thinking perhaps my children may have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Again, it's just showing us this, Job's purity of heart, his humility before God. Look at verse six, then one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. It's kind of interesting. Look at verse seven. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Verse eight. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Is there, there is no one on the earth like him for he is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Verse 9, does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around his household and everything that he has? Have you not blessed the work of his hand so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land? But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then. Everything that he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, there's several insights I want you to see from Job's journey as we kind of talk about how to respond in faith in the middle of crisis. We see these first 12 verses. Job has an amazing life. He's in right relationship with God. He's in right relationship with his family, with his fellow man. He's a man that's been blessed. He's living that blessed life. He he has children and grandchildren and and, and he, he loves God. Everything seems to be in balance. Everything's kind of in perfect harmony. And then Satan and God have this conversation in the heavenlies that completely brings a crisis upon Job's life. Completely frustrates and completely not just, interrupts, but disrupts his life. Kind of like what you and I've been going through these last several weeks, maybe not quite that traumatic. Maybe it's felt like that, but we're going along and life is pretty good and the economy's good and, and jobs are good and we're, we're, we're getting out of a winter and the winter's not been that bad and it's looking like it's going to be a really mild spring and we're kind of excited and we're anticipating what's ahead. And then all of a sudden there is this, not interruption, this disruption, weeks on end at this point where everything is kind of turned upside down and there's a big question mark about this and that and what's happening in our world and why is it happening in our jobs in the economy and and it's just every day it seems like it's a different thing well there's a couple of insights that I want to kind of walk you through today that I think will help us as we're all dealing with this much like Job dealt with. And I would probably say, for the most part, Job had it much worse than you and I did. First insight is more than you can see. If you're taking notes, just write down that phrase, more than you can see. See, Job could see his happy family, but Job could not see the meeting that was happening in heaven. According to the text, Job could hear the cattle lowing and the sheep bleeding, but he could not hear the conversation between God and Satan. See, we as readers, we have the ability to be able to have the perspective that Job couldn't have. He he didn't know what was going on and he didn't understand all the why. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he even asked God and God doesn't really respond to him with the why. He never really gives him the answer. It's kind of like watching a movie. I don't know if you like to watch movies, but I love to watch movies. It's one of my frustrations right now that I can't go to a theater and watch a movie. There's nothing like having a big, huge tub of popcorn or maybe butter with popcorn in it, amen, and, and a Coke. And, and I love going to like one of those cinemas, like a Marcus cinema where you've got the dream lounger, you know, and just right there and it's, it's big, huge screen and, and, and just watching a movie and just kind of getting lost for a while and, and getting into the middle of the storyline or the drama or the action or whatever's happening in front of you. And every movie, there is a, a movie set. There's all kinds of things that are happening that we don't see on the screen. Because that director's kind of framed up that scene. He's kind of looked and said, this is what I want it to look like. But there's a peripheral activity that's happening around. There are there's stage hands and there's, there's lighting people and there's all types of equipment and there's vans and and there's there's equipment trucks and 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 there's people and personnel and and there's just all kinds of things that are happening outside of what that frame picture is. We only see the frame picture, but there's a whole lot going on outside that picture. But every once in a while there's a blooper or there's a there's a, there's somebody missed something and it makes it to the big screen. Just like in the movie Braveheart with Mel Gibson, mid-century there is an item that is not supposed to be there, that's there. I want you to check this out. Did you see the van right there in the scene? I mean, this is before automobiles. This is before anything's happening. They're horses and and this is William Wallace and and this is I mean and there is a there's a work van there's a white work van that somebody left on the lot that they forgot to move out of the frame and it never quite got caught except you and I saw it completely out of place That's what I mean when I talk about more than you can see. Occasionally, there are times in our lives where there's more going on than what we can see. And occasionally, we get to see that. Occasionally, we get a glimpse of that. Occasionally, we catch the white van that's not supposed to be there. But most of the time, we only see the frame that God wants us to see. And we're limited by that frame. And that becomes frustrating but I just want to remind you, in the midst of everything that's going on, just like Job, he could only see what God wanted him to see in that frame. But there was an entire activity that was going on around that picture. Paul says it this way in 2, Chronicles, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, we only see but a sliver of reality we see what's happening in our natural world but if we could for a moment be able to see in the supernatural world if we could see what was happening around us if we could see what was beyond the frame of the picture it would probably connect a lot of dots it would probably create a lot of oh that's why moments as Christians, as Christ followers, as humans on this earth and this planet. We see in part, we understand in part. But we need to know that there's a much bigger picture. There's more than what we can see that's happening. Second insight I want you to see is that God is for you. Even though you may be limited in what you can see, I want you to know God is for you. God's the one that brings up the subject of Job. He brings it up. Look look back in verse 8. He asked Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one on earth like him, for he is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. God knows Job's name. God knows Job's heart. God knows Job's character. God knew Job better than Job knew himself. Same thing is true with you and I. God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your character. He knows your name. He knows you better than you know yourself. It's like a a proud grandparent. If you've ever been around a grandparent, especially a new grandparent, If they ever suck you into the vortex of their world to say, have you seen a picture of my grandchild? Watch out, you're going to be there for a while because they're going to begin to either swipe or scroll through all the pictures that they have, or or they're going to begin to tell you this story and that story or make you watch this video or that video. And it's always never very long, right? But, But because they're so proud, they're so, they're just so in love with this child, this grandchild that they have. This is the way God was about Job. He was so proud, so happy. I mean, if God had a refrigerator, Job's picture would be on it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, Job's picture would be on God's refrigerator. I mean, God loved Job so much and he was so impressed and so proud that he's just beaming. Have you considered, Satan doesn't bring Job's name up, it's God. Satan doesn't do any of that, it's God. God is so proud of his character and his heart and who he is and how he walks blameless before him. You see, God was for Job, God's for you and I. That's how he views you and that's how he views me. Well, how can you be so certain? Because his word said that he's no respecter of persons. God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't play favorites. I can't do anything more to make him love me more or make him love me less. Job just illustrates how much God loves you and loves me. And just know, regardless what's going on in your world right now, regardless what's going on in your house right now, regardless what's going on in your mind right now, know this, God loves you. And God is so for you. He is more for you than anyone else in your world. Just like he was for Job, he is for you. Third observation, third insight is that Satan is against you. As much as God is for you, know this, Satan, the devil himself is against you. The name Satan literally means adversary. Now, Satan is not equal in his power with God. We know that God is all powerful, and and he he is there is none beside him, there's none above him, there's only those below him. But and we know that Satan is powerful, but he does not even compare to how powerful God is. But yet he is the adversary. He opposes God at every point. He opposes God's servants, you and I, his children at every point. And he wants to do everything that he can to make your life and my life as miserable as his existence. He didn't get a seat at the table. He disqualified himself. He was kicked out of heaven and all of its glory and all of its splendor because of his own actions. And he doesn't want you and I to have any part of it. He doesn't want to have you and I to have any blessing of it. And nor does he want God to be able to rejoice in you and I his children being with he our heavenly father that's why Job says to Satan excuse me it's why Satan says in Job chapter 1 verse 11 stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face that's what Satan says to God see he's an adversary Sometimes we don't think about that. And again, I'm not trying to put a devil around every corner or an angel behind every bush. But but again, there is a supernatural world that's going on on top of what's happening in our natural world. And that supernatural world, according to Ephesians chapter 6, informs what happens in this world. God, the heavens, and all that they're in is so much more real than what you and I give credit for that. We put so much stock in the here and now. Why? Because we're humans. We can touch it. We can taste it. We can feel it. We can see it. And we have a hard time with things that are not concrete, with things that we can't touch or taste or feel or see. But the truth of the matter is, is it's a whole lot more real and it is having an amazing amount of impact on our world. And at some point in time, when we get on the other side, the Bible says, when we get to heaven, we'll understand it. But this side of eternity, we don't get the whole picture. Again, we just see what God wants us to see in that frame. Satan is against you. He's against me. He's against us. He's not some comic character dressed in red flannel uh, with horns shoveling coal in the belly of the earth called hell. The Bible says that According to Job chapter 1, he's not even in hell. Where is he? Well, he's roaming the earth. When God asks him, where have you been? He says, I've been roaming the earth. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is not down here and God's not up there and you guys and we are not just caught in the middle no, 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 no. He is prowling around. He is walking around. He is roaming around like a lion looking for his next kill. And he's trying to steal and kill and destroy you and I. He is our adversary. He's actively and aggressively continually working to try to, 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 to bring every bit of evil, every bit of bad that he possibly can in our life. That leads me to the fourth insight. This is the kind of the key to the whole message is that genuine faith is the key. Genuine faith is the key. The Bible says that when you go through trials and tribulations, it is a testing of your faith. And you may think that God is testing of your faith, but that's not right. God knows all things. He already knows the quality and the strength of your faith. The testing of your faith is not for God's benefit, it's for your benefit. It's so that you know what kind of faith you have. Think about that for a minute. It's not proving anything to God. It doesn't make God love us any more or any less. It's not putting any scores. It's literally showing us what's inside of us. As you read the book of Job, what's inside of Job is what comes out. Much like in the crisis that you and I are in, what's inside of us is what comes out. Is there fear? Is there frustration? Or is there faith? Let's talk about that for a minute. Because I truly believe in navigating crisis in our lives, crisis in in, in our families, crisis in our business, crisis as a Christ follower. Even though we may only get a small snippet of what's going on, when we begin to walk in faith and we lead in faith and we live in faith, it becomes the key to overcoming whatever opposition that the adversary that Satan himself would throw at us. So, What kind of faith do you have? Well, there's three kinds of faith I've observed in my lifetime. And only one of them did Job have. The first kind of faith is what I call fair weather faith. Fair weather faith. As long as things are going well, I will praise the Lord. Fair weather faith works when the sun is shining. It's that, it's what Satan accused Job of having, but Job reveals in his life that he didn't have. Satan basically says, look, God, you're blessing Job. You're blessing everything that he has. You're protecting him. That's why he's serving you. He's got fair weather faith. And this is people that have fair weather faith, they kind of treat their relationship with Christ like a a business deal. As long as God keeps up his end of the bargain, they'll keep up their end of the bargain. As long as God blesses them and and, and gives them peace and joy and happiness and good, as, as long as God is some cosmic Santa Claus some cosmic ATM that's just kind of doling it out, they're they're gonna serve God. But the moment that God doesn't meet up to their standards, the moment that they think they've been given a raw deal, the moment they think that God is no longer being just giving them what they want, when they want it, how they want it, then it's over. It's like a quid pro quo. As long as you do what you say you're going to do, I'll do what I say I'm gonna do. But God, if you don't do what I think you should do, if you don't bless me and help me, and if it's not always good, and and, and if the day isn't always coming up sunshine and roses, and, and it's just not awesome, then I'm out, I'm done. That's what I call fair weather faith. Second kind of faith I've observed is foul weather faith. Foul weather faith. It's when life is messed up, then that's when I call on the Lord. It's when everything's falling apart, that's when I call on the Lord. This is the opposite of fair weather faith. There's foul weather faith. These people only call on the Lord when they're afraid, when they're scared, when, when, when everything's falling apart. That's when they run to God, that's when they get right. And then when everything gets good, they leave. They're gone. When, it, when the business is falling apart, they're at church. When the sky's falling, they're at church. The marriage is in trouble, they're at church. When they've lost their money, they're at church. But as soon as, as they get a job, as soon as they get their life back together, as soon as they get their marriage back together, as soon as things start beginning to work, all of a sudden, whatever it may be, they're gone. Man, they're gone. And, and you'll bump into them at a restaurant or at Walmart or somewhere out and about, and, and you'll talk to them and say, hi, man, I need to get back there. And yeah, I've just been busy doing this and this and this, but just wait. When life starts really messing up again, they'll, they'll be back because they look at their faith as kind of like a, a 911 kind of a, a emergency hotline. And they kind of make these faith bargains with God. God, if you'll get me through this time, I'll, I'll come back. God, if you'll do this, I'll, I'll, God, if you'll just help me this one last time. See, Job doesn't have fair weather faith. Although he was accused of that. Job doesn't have foul weather faith. He has the kind of faith that I think we all aspire to. It's what I would call an all weather faith. An all weather faith. Whatever happens, I'll trust the Lord. If it's a good day, I'm going to trust the Lord. If it's a bad day, I'm going to trust the Lord. If, if, if I'm under quarantine because of, of the coronavirus, I'm going to trust the Lord. And if I'm free to go, I'm going to trust the Lord. If I'm, able to, if I'm able to physically get to a church, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be there. And if I can't, then I'll show up online. If, if I'm going to, you know what, if I need to mail my tithe in or if I need to, to do it online, I, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter whether things are good or things are bad. Whether I perceive that, that, that I see the whole picture, or I just see a part of it. I'm gonna trust God. I've made up my mind that I'm gonna trust God, that I'm gonna serve God, that his ways are higher than my ways, that he is beyond me and I am infinite. He is infinite. Therefore, he is above me and I'm gonna serve him and I'm just going to trust him. And that's what we see in Job's life. It's the kind of faith that Job had. Matter of fact, Job makes the statement and we read it in Job chapter 1 Verse 21, it says that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Palms up, God. Whether you fill my hands to overflowing or you empty them, it's yours. I'm yours. And we love when God blesses us. We love when God gives to us, but when he takes away, when he reduces us, and many times he reduces us only to bless us again, that's what he does in Job's life. But we can't see that again. We only see part of the picture. The question is when God begins to take, do we go, it's mine and do we hold on to it? No, it's mine, it's mine. Or are we open-handed? God, they're your resources. God, they're your children. God, it's my life is yours. All weather faith. If it's sunny and 75, I'm going to church, I'm gonna serve the Lord. If it's blizzard and it's snowing, I'm going to church I'm going to serve the Lord. If I feel like it, I'm going to serve the Lord. If I don't feel like it, I'm going to serve the Lord. All weather faith. Even when Job was suffering physically, being scorned by his friends, look at what he says in chapter 13, verse 15. Though God slay me, he yet, excuse me, though God slay me, yet will I hope in him. I'm going to trust God. It's not a Pollyanna type of faith. It's not a void of reality faith. It's built in the context of real and rugged reality an unwavering commitment and trust in God. And today, feeling stretched thin, the question I have for you is what kind of faith that you have? Do you trust that there's more going on than what you can see? beyond your control? You're not necessarily the center or the king of your universe, but he is. Do you trust that God is for you, that he loves you? That if God had a refrigerator, your drawing, your picture would be on it. Do you believe what the Bible says that the enemy of your soul and my soul, Satan himself, is the adversary and he's trying to do everything he can to disrupt you and me and everything in our world as we're trying to serve God? And are you walking out your faith in God in a genuine, real, all-weather fashion? Come hell or high water, I'm gonna serve God. What kind of faith do you have? Is it all-weather faith like Job had? Or is it fair-weather faith? As long as God blesses me, as long as it's good, as long as God keeps his end of the deal, I'll serve him. But if he doesn't, I'm done. Or... Is it foul-weather faith? The only time that you show up with God is when everything's falling apart. I wanna encourage you. Walk in faith, not in fear, not in frustration. Serve Him in faith, all-weather faith. Trust Him in every part of your life. Let's pray. Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to trust you, to serve you. Not to have fair-weather faith or foul-weather faith, but let us have all-weather faith. To believe there are things that are going on beyond our control and beyond our, our own ability to understand. And that in that, you are for us and the enemies against us, but the key is that we put our faith and our trust in you. I pray today, help us not respond in fear or in frustration but in faith, in Jesus' name, amen.